Okay, and we are live. Welcome to the 23rd episode of our series, How to Become Fluent in English. We're joined with a special guest today. So if you need to learn English for school, for work, for travel, or even just for fun, you're definitely in the right place. So before we get started here, Jenny, please introduce yourself. Yeah. Well, hi, everybody. My name's Jenny. Um, I was actually born and raised in Taiwan. So my first language is Mandarin Chinese. Um, so I, I would say, you know, I started learning English when I was very little. However, it wasn't very um, advanced English. Um, you know, in sixth grade, I was still learning how to say different colors. Um, so I really started taking learning English seriously at 15. That was when I moved to the U.S. And at that time, I barely spoke any English. I mean, I knew the alphabet. I knew basic vocabulary and grammar rule, but I couldn't understand what people were saying. I couldn't read the McDonald's menus when I went to McDonald's. Uh, it was you know, a lot of challenges. Um, but of course, I speak uh, English and I would like to think fluently now. Um, and I also teach uh, English and Mandarin um, as a language teacher and language coach. And yeah. Um, for some reason, the sound is. Oops. Yeah, my mic was muted. I was asking um, how many languages do you speak fluently? Uh, two. So English and Mandarin. Okay, perfect. And are you planning on learning any more? Or are you just going to keep it at that for now? Um, I thought about it. Um, I technically know, I would say two and a half languages. So the, the half is uh, Taiwanese, um, or some people call it Minan. So it's actually a I guess it's a dialect of Chinese, kind of like Cantonese, Mandarin, and there's a, a Taiwanese. And I can understand it. I can speak it if you give me a little bit of time. Um, but as far as, you know, learning another language, I, I, I my goal right now is to really uh, have a deeper, a lot deeper understanding of the uh, Chinese and English language so that I can help language learners uh, you know, in, in the more ways possible. And because there is so much about these two languages that I still don't know, and then even the linguistic parts of the language, and that is something that, you know, or even I want to, I don't know if I'm, you know, going to actually do it, but I actually want to be at native level. Like um, if I were to teach, um, I actually want to get to a level where I can actually, you know, teach college level English yeah. or Mandarin. Uh, maybe, maybe not necessarily teach, but just have the knowledge to be able to do that. Okay. And so the topic of today's video, as you guys saw, was do not learn English if <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Okay, so it's important that you guys develop a strong foundation. But in order to even take the action to do this, you guys are going to need to have clearly defined in your head a goal and a purpose for why you're learning the English language. So, Jenny, through your experience, through all the students who have inquired for advice from you, basically, um, what would you say are some of the most common reasons why people want to learn English? Yeah, I think for, I mean, it depends on your age. Uh, if you're a little bit younger, bef you know, you're, if you're in school, I think a lot of it, it's personal interest, or maybe they watch some kind of movies or TV shows that they really, you know, like the, what they see in the movies and TV shows. And so they're like, oh, you know, I want to be able to speak English. And, you know, a lot of times they uh, think that it'll expose them to that culture. Um, and if you're a little bit older, it may be for traveling purposes, for work, um, or even personal interest, or maybe your uh, family, family members, or say that friends that you have uh, speak English and you don't and you want to be able to communicate with them. Right. And then out of the different purposes for learning English, which students do you find tend to be the most serious? I would say it's actually very, it's, in my experience, it's kind of scattered. Um, I've had 
I mostly had um, adults learner. I've had some uh, kids as well, but you know, kids are why they want to learn English. A lot of times is because of their parents. Um, but if we're talking about adults who actually choose to learn English, I think I think it's very scattered um, because I've had I've met students who want to improve, who actually need to improve English skills because of their job, but they still ended up, you know, not being consistent and motivated and i've had people who it's just simply personal interest that they want to learn english and there's no you know external pressure that they need to learn um it's just simply out of it's their interest and they you know take a lot of time they actually are consistent and motivated to learn so i think it really depends on the person yeah that's that's a really good point because to keep it simple, generally, you would think that someone who needs to learn English for work or for school or for travel, they would be more serious, they would be more dedicated, and they'd mm -hmm. be taking more advanced steps to make it happen. But a lot of the time, it's actually there are a lot of people who just want to learn it for fun and for no other purpose, and they can still advance a lot quicker than somebody um, who actually needs to learn it for their job. So yeah. that is that is pretty interesting. Um, I would say that, yeah, it definitely does depend on the person. It depends on the personality and it really just depends on their level of interest to learn it. But mm -hmm. most importantly, I would say an extremely important factor is how much time someone can actually put into it, I would say. Um, and then through your observation, have you ever noticed that there's a trend for um, the types of people who aren't that serious or... Would you say that their lack of purpose for learning English has held them back from learning it um, quicker or more efficiently? Definitely. I think uh, uh, so this is why I um, in the beginning, I would always, you know, talk about their motivation for learning English, why they want to learn and what are their goals? Because I feel, I think goals and the whys, they're actually, they can be different. They can be overlapping as well. Um, so knowing that it's very important. Um, and then when you talk about, you know, if there's a trend for people who just are less motivated to learn English. Um, I think a lot of time people are not motivated or consistent in learning English or any foreign language is because they don't have a, they don't know why they're doing it, essentially. Um, and I don't think there's a specific type of people that are like that. But I think most of the time, it's just they don't know why they're doing it. Um, even though they have, you know, a general idea of why maybe they don't know how to do it, because there's, you know, there's so much resources and tools available online nowadays that it can be overwhelming. Um, you know, not everyone has the uh, financial ability to invest in language courses or language teachers. So they, you know, self-study. But again, where do you even start? Um, so I think a lot of times it's a lot of factors in one that cause a person to uh, feel uh, unmotivated or uh, struggle with consistency. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh... Yeah, a very common thing I see, and this isn't really just for people learning English, it's also just for people learning languages in general. Um, they, may, they might see somebody who's a polyglot, or they might see somebody who can speak like 10 languages fluently, mm -hmm. and then they say, oh, that's cool, I want to do that too. But their purpose for learning English is out of vanity. They just want to be the cool person who can speak 10 languages in a room, but then when they figure out how much effort it actually takes to achieve that goal then they start to reevaluate and then they start to see in their day-to-day -day life they never even have a use for a lot of the languages they want to learn mm -hmm. and then they um they just give up altogether um, yeah. it's a very common thing i see it's just people um either they don't have a purpose or they don't have a strong enough purpose mm -hmm. to go above and beyond to actually become fluent in a language and I think it's really difficult for the English learners who do not live in English speaking regions. And they're literally just immersing themselves through the internet, but in their day to day lives, they only interact in another language. Um, so uh, 
yeah, your purpose definitely needs to be strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And having that purpose and knowing why you're learning the language so that you have, I mean, this is what something I like to do is that just, you know, think about if you become fluent in that language that you're learning, how is that going to affect your life? You know, what kind of benefits is going to bring you? What does your life look like if you can speak that language fluently? And so I think that gives you a, a more clear vision of your, it's like, yeah, a clearer, a more clear vision of, you know, what it can be um, once you get there. And then, you know, kind of reverse engineer and backtrack and be like, okay, uh, learning English can, you know, bring me all these different benefits and this is how it's going to change my lifestyle. Um, I think that in turn gives you motivation as well. And again, you know, that will give you a more clear direction and path on um, what little goals you can set um, to get to where you want to be. For sure. And Clay Joseph from Florida shouts out to all shout out to all. Okay. Shout out to Florida. And yeah, anybody who's watching this on Facebook or YouTube, if you have any questions or comments at all, feel free to jump into the chat and we'll periodically address them as the stream goes on. And also, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube and you'd like to support the platform, you could simply like the video as it'll help the algorithms uh, spread the message to other people who are also trying to improve their English skills. Okay, so you brought up a really interesting point in your last statement. Um, you said that some people may self-study because they don't have the means to be able to invest in um, paid courses, tutoring, etc. So what would you say are some of the best free methods to learn the English language? Oh, there are there. There's so much uh, YouTube social media. Um, and I think specifically Instagram is probably the best to learn because there's there there's a lot of uh, bite-sized content. Um, there is, if you have a little bit of money to invest, you can al always invest in a uh, online self-paced course or just uh, buy a textbook. Um, a lot of times that's a lot cheaper than investing in, in a three-month language course. Um, watching TV shows, movies, and even just in your life. Um, this is something I used to do when I was when I first started learning English. Actually, when after I moved to the U.S., was I just whenever I walk, well, not necessarily, but really everywhere I go, I just kind of look around the, the my surrounding and see if I know how I know the names of the objects that I see. Um, that's how I learned a lot of vocabulary. And then I started to kind of just describe the things I see. Um, that is one way to practice as well. And if I don't know how to say something, we go, I go on Google. I go on um, dictionary and find out how to say those. And I kind of just learn like that. I mean, there are, you know, the opportunities to learn are everywhere. We don't need to uh, rely on language courses or language teachers. But again, I think finding what works for you is the most important because some people just can't really seem to you know stay consistent without a teacher holding them accountable or someone holding them accountable if you're that type of person and if you have the financial means um yeah go ahead and invest in a you know a teacher or a language course if you don't have the financial means then again there are a lot of resources online i think it's just taking the time to explore what's out there um, and trying out all those different options and resources, tools, materials online and find out what works and what doesn't. Um, it takes time. It does take all the time in the beginning to just go through all these different materials and find out what works for you. But it's definitely uh, worth it in the long run to take that time to figure out what works for you and then build a study routine around that. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Yeah, it took me it took me a long time to figure that out too. Uh, I implemented a lot of the things you said into my strategy. I know when I was starting, um, I would say that it, the only thing I would say is that using social media like Instagram and YouTube and consuming content in English from there, maybe even with subtitles too, and a lot of them, it's 
it can be challenging for a beginner who mm -hmm. doesn't quite understand the rules of the English language. They don't really understand the differences between their native language and the English language. But then, like you said, if you can afford to buy a grammar book that explains the differences between your native language and the English language, that could prove to be extremely, like extremely beneficial. Um, it'll put all of the pieces of the puzzle together in your head. It'll start making the English language make sense to you um, from your perspective, depending on what your native language is. Hmm. And then um, you can really begin to practice all the other skills, speaking, listening, reading, and writing um, with much more efficiency. So yeah. I would say uh, definitely recommend the grammar book for sure. Um, yeah. If it's possible, because I know some of you guys, you speak languages that may be um, less popular and um, it may be difficult to find literature or text um, breaking this down. Um, in that case, you may need to find a teacher who's bilingual in your native language and the English language. But um, but yeah, no, most of the stuff you said there, that's that's really great for not necessarily free, but almost free yeah. <laughs> uh, methods to um, learn English for sure. So. Yeah. And then when it comes to paid methods, what would you say is the best use of someone's money if they had to invest money to learn a language as quickly as possible? So if the goal is to learn a language as quickly as possible, I would go for a one-on-one -on -one, uh, private teacher. Um, there are a lot of platforms out there and I, I think it's a it's a myth or at least when it comes to when people hear, oh, you know, let's hire, a, you should hire a one-on-one private teacher, language teacher. It sounds expensive, but it's actually not. There are a lot of online uh, platforms that offer these kind of services where they have a huge collection of teachers to choose from. And it can be from anywhere from $5 per hour to $80 per hour, just kind of depends on wh where you live, what you're looking for. Um, so I think the best way is to to get to your goals as quickly as possible is to hire a private teacher um, because, first of all, uh, it's a one-on-one. So the teacher is 100% um, focused on, focusing on you during the lesson. They can personalize the lesson for you. They can you know walk you through your own personal goals and challenges and design the lessons based on your personal needs and, you know, goals um, and even your schedule, your commitment ability. So I think that's, in my opinion, that's the best way. However, I'm not saying that group lessons is not um, as good. I, I think it just depends on the learner. Some people doesn't really need that one-on-one -on -one focus and attention. Um, they All they really need is just like a structure, material, a good starting point. And once they're done with that, say, three-month course, then they know, okay, so this is how it works. This is how, um, how I can learn the language. Then they can go on and continue self-learning after that. Yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. Even... Um... Arc English, we're going to be creating a platform that will be very similar to that. We're going to have a roster of English tutors. And then um, it can be quite affordable um, because a lot of the tutors that we will have on our roster, they'll be in countries where um, if you're, let's say you're living in the United States, the US dollar goes very far in some of these countries. So um, an American tutor may charge $20 per an hour, but then a tutor in I don't know, Vietnam or something might charge like three USD per an hour yeah. or something like that. So um, there's definitely ways around it. But I will say, um, typically in this model, the best tutors who have a lot of demand um, to do lessons, basically, they typically increase their prices because they're so high in demand. And then you're kind of getting what you pay for, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so you'll have to do a bit of due diligence as a student to uh, find a tutor who's still really good, but is also affordable and within your price range. It might take a little bit of digging, but you can definitely find affordable tutors for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them actually offer uh, trial <laughs> lessons as well or just you know the first lesson for a, a lot lower of a price and i feel like that is a good way to get to know the the teacher for the teacher to get to know you and you can you know 
take a couple different trial lessons with different teachers and just to find out which one fits you the best. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, the teacher is looking for a student that fits their teaching style. The student is also looking for a teacher that fits their learning style. So I think it goes both ways. Definitely. And um, Amina Ali, hello from Canada. Shout out to you, Amina. And BS Major TV, greetings from Uzbekistan. Okay. Shout out to Uzbekistan. And yep, if you guys have any questions, jump right in. We're going to transition over to another topic here. So you were talking about the different free methods to learn. So I'm interested to know if you had to advise a beginner, somebody starting from the ground up, they really know anything like, like, let's say they only know how to speak Mandarin or Taiwanese, for an example, mm -hmm. where do they start? Where do they begin in this process to learn English? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know if I have a one answer fits all kind of answer um, because everybody is a little different. But considering that this person is an adult and who is starting from zero, I think, uh, I think, again, it really comes down. Are, are we talking about uh, free content wise or paid? Um, and any either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If we're talking about paid, um, you know, if you have the financial means to pay, then again, uh, a like a, maybe a three months long beginner course in English, I think that is definitely really helpful because it's sort of like, it's less overwhelming than a one-on-one -on because -one I feel like sometimes people find one-on-one -on -one, um, learning a little intimidating and overwhelming or even stressful. So if you're that type of people, start with a, a language course that typically lasts maybe two or three, three months. And so that you get an idea of what the language is like you know what the language is about how to learn the language and and in those beginner courses they teach you a lot of basics um, and then after that you can decide um, whether you want to continue self-learning or maybe continue taking another course offered by a different um, establishment or the same um, if you don't have the financial means to invest in the courses or language teachers um, uh, I would say books are English books are definitely um, textbooks specifically because they are actually structured in a way and in different lessons that helps you understand the basic foundational, um, again, grammar, pronunciation and vocabulary and all that. Um, but again, with self-studying, it obviously has you know pros and cons with taking language courses. There are pros and cons as well. It just really kind of depends on what you're looking for and how you learn. For sure. I'd agree. And um, yeah, it does depend because there are some debates should people, because it, it's not unheard of that some people have been able to learn the English language just by listening and observing sort mm -hmm. of like how a child would. I would say that's that doesn't apply to most people. I would say most people, especially adults, would actually have to make sense of it in their head and learn with let's say a grammar book for an example um but um yeah it does depend on the person i would just say generally speaking in the beginning definitely build that foundation and try to make sense of the language make sense of the phrasal verbs and all the common try to learn like maybe let's say the most common 1000 to 2000 vocabulary words in the english language get that foundation and then i think it'll be a lot easier um throughout the rest of the process i would say but let's say they built that foundation and now they're a little bit comfortable having basic conversations. How would you advise somebody at the intermediate level to get up to the advanced level? Yeah, I mean, I think in my personal experience of learning English as well as teaching English, I think the best way is to apply what you learn. And, you know, an application could be just chatting with native speakers it could be um i mean it really depends on your environment but i just you know applying which is uh speaking it listening having conversations with native speakers because i think at that at, at the intermediate level you already have you should already have a pretty 
you know, good foundation of vocabulary for pronunciation and the different grammar rules and syntaxes. So I think a lot of intermediate learners uh, face or they struggle with is the application part. Um, because in the beginner part, you're learning all these basic things, but you may not be actually, you know, speaking it or actually applying it um, in conversations at all or just very little. So intermediate, definitely just applying it, application, um, and then really branch out to different learning content and resources uh, rather than say that uh, blogs or YouTube videos or some um, maybe movies and TV shows and things like that. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um... Developing your listening skills is one thing that's probably the easier part because you have unlimited access to stuff on the internet. Mm -hmm. Then when it comes to speaking, yeah, like we spoke about even earlier, um, a lot of people dramatically underestimate how much practice it actually takes to become good at speaking. Um, essentially, they think if they consume a lot of Netflix or if they consume a lot of Duolingo or if they consume a lot of any sort of media, that that's going to make them more conversational, but you're actually going to need to apply your skills in conversations to get more conversational. And it's tricky because for a lot of you guys, like I mentioned earlier, that there will be a lot of people who don't really have the patience to help people who are struggling and trying to learn English mm -hmm. and have conversations with them, unless it's a paid teacher or a paid tutor. So, um, Sometimes when you're self-studying and you're trying to use free methods to learn English, you may actually have to have conversations with yourself. Um, if it's the first thing you do when you wake up, the last thing you do before you go to bed, when you're in the shower, um, actually training your mouth to pronounce words in English. Um, the shadowing technique is a good technique too, which is just repeating basically uh, things that are said on a, a piece of media. But you're actually going to need to rep out speaking the English language. And sometimes that's going to mean having conversations with yourself and expressing your opinions and your thoughts out loud by yourself. Mm -hmm. And then believe me, it will translate into real conversations and real social settings because you've already done the work on the back end. So it'll feel more natural on the front end. So yeah, yeah, I uh, agree with that. And to uh, if I can add to what you were saying, uh, like I mentioned in um, when we were live on Instagram was that I talked, I used to, I still do sometimes, but I, when I was learning English, I used to talk to myself a lot. Uh, maybe not necessarily having a conversation with myself, but just, you know, just say, just say, uh, speak English when there's no one around because I was, um, you know, it makes me anxious to be in a social situations where I have to use English. And so I just wasn't really quite ready for that yet. So a lot of times I just talk to myself, say that when I am doing something, I just kind of train myself to say what I'm doing as I'm doing it in English. Or say, for example, if I'm cooking, you know, I want to let's talk about the cooking instructions. Can I say what I'm doing in English? Um, or just when I'm walking on the street, if I see, uh, you know, someone doing something, can I, can I describe that to someone else just as a practice? And a lot of times, um, I didn't used to do this, but now I really, really highly, highly encourage any language learners to do it is to record yourself. Um, it might seem a little weird to record yourself or talk to yourself when you're in public, but who cares? I mean, this is at the end of the day is, you know, you're the one who wants to get to your goals and um, yeah, record yourself so you can listen to your pronunciation, um, how you sound and better yet, if you have someone, a language partner, or if you know a native speaker, send your recordings to them and, you know, have them give you feedback. Um, these are all free learning methods that people can utilize god you just you just made me remember one time i did record myself and when i played it back i was just like oh my god <laughs> it sounds yeah, it, it does not sound uh on par with uh native speakers but yes recording yourself you can absolutely see um where your weak points are and which mm -hmm. words you have a difficulty at pronouncing i guess um, yeah. so yeah that is that is a good way to critique yourself too because it's very difficult to um, 
and it's common that people don't really like the sound of their own voice but um <laughs> but yeah it's it's difficult to understand if you don't record yourself and then um nina has a question here that it's pretty relevant um how long does it take to reach the c1 english level from b1 can it be reached in one year or two years my mother tongue is german hmm what would you say jenny um this every time i get questions like this i would say yes you can definitely reach uh c1 from b2 in one or two years however this is only if you again put in the time put in the effort be consistent and be really clear on your goals and where you're at to where you want to be um because i mean i've known people who say that lived in the u.s for 20 years they're still not even above b1 level i've also met people who have never been to an English-speaking country. They've lived in, say, you know, a Chinese-speaking country, but their English is like native speakers. So again, it really depends on, you know, knowing where you're at, knowing where you want to go, knowing how you want to get there, and then have a clear direction and plan and goals to um, reach where you want to go. Right. And yeah, I, I would say my extremely short answer to that question, Nina, is um, it depends how much time you have to put into it. <laughs> um, if you have a lot of time to put into it, um, I do think that it's achievable in one year mm -hmm. or poss possibly even less. But um, yeah, that, that would be my quick answer. And your mother tongue's German too. That's probably a lot closer to English than a lot of other languages. I think it's definitely achievable in less than a year if you have a significant amount of time to put into it. And Nina, do you recommend italki or other platforms? How often should I take English lessons per week to reach C1? Um, I'll quickly say that what I did was I used a platform called Preply. I found a tutor to use who also lived in the French region of Canada that I live in. I use them about once per a week. Uh, just to brush up and kind of like as an audit, he would just, uh, I thought I was conversational, but he'd pick apart and tell me all of the things that were wrong with my conversation. If I was using the correct filler words, I think it's a good way to um, just clean up your English. If you use a paid tutor on any platform, really um, once per week, but what would you say, Jenny? I think, again, it depends on your areas of focus. Um, normally, I think when it comes to reading and writing, that is something you can practice on your own. You don't necessarily need to pay someone to do it. Um, there are also a lot of websites that actually correct your writing, even though they're not 100% correct because it is you know, through AI. Um, so I think if your areas of focus is to... Uh, improve your speaking and listening, just conversational skills in general. Um, I think it's definitely worthwhile to invest in a teacher, um, you know, regardless of what platforms that you go through. And um, just well, the teacher should have should have a good ideas of where you're at and, you know, how to help you get to where you want to be at. And again, I think if you're as a focus is conversational skills that is speaking and listening i think is definitely worthwhile to invest in a teacher um and you know how often you should take english lessons is it per week or whatever it, again it depends look back to what you were saying it depends on how much time you have to invest in and how much money you have to invest in um and also depends on the teacher because sometimes you find a teacher that you really like but maybe they're not available as much as you would like, or um, you could have, you know, a couple different teachers if you want. Um, I've, I have students where they're at uh, intermediate level. And so they really, they already know a lot of foundations and they just want to practice conversational skills. So uh, they would have me along with other teachers to help them do that because every, every teacher, you know, teaches them different things and has a different teaching approach. So again, just, really understanding where you're at, what you need, um, or why are you going to pay a teacher? 
what do you want to get out of it? Just being clear on that. I think that will help. Definitely. You should definitely have a plan um, for sure. Then um, earlier we were discussing, right, going from the intermediate level to the advanced level. And we were talking about application here. So, yeah, I would say first off, to develop conversation skills, it doesn't hurt to um, figure out how you would articulate things yourself by yourself. Like for an example, if you're cooking, um, can you name like what you're currently doing? Sometimes I would say um, if I'm studying or something, do I know how to say I'm studying in this other language? Mm. Um, stuff like that can definitely help. But when it comes to becoming advanced in your conversation skills, I would say that you'll have to take it a step further. And once you get lots of experience and life experience um, conversing with native English speakers, you'll be able to identify what's a formal situation, right? What's an informal situation? Sometimes people mix up formal and informal terminology. How do people play with their words? How do people crack jokes? Which grammatical rules do native English speakers neglect completely? Um, this is a lot easier with immersion, but uh, Jenny, what advice would you give to people who don't have that English immersion so they can't really pick up on all these little nuances? What advice would you give for someone who doesn't have that available to them? Um, are you saying that if they don't live in a English speaking mm -hmm. environment, that how can they, exactly. what kind of advice I have? Okay. Um, I would just create a immersive environment for yourself. Um, so for, for example, changing the language in your phone or on your devices into English. Um, whenever you write something, say that a to-do list on your phone or just on, on a piece of paper, write them in English. Um, if you are making labels for your different containers at home, write them in English. Just expose yourself to English as, uh, as much as possible, listening to podcasts, have that in the background. Um, or listen to songs in English when you're showering, whatever it is. Um, I think it's definitely doable and very possible to create that inversive environment for, for yourself. However, obviously you don't, if you don't live in an English speaking place, when you get out of your house, you don't really, you know, hear English, but again, you can, um, I'm sure there are communities, you know, around where you live that they meet up for maybe they're language learners or maybe they're just, say, Americans in another country. Go talk to them. Um, even that, you know, it's the bars or different group meetups or different activities that they do. Um, there are opportunities to create that immersive environment everywhere. Um, you just got to really look for it. And again, that does require, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and being, um, if you are like me, I am more of an introvert, then that could be a little bit, you know, meeting up with strangers and talking to them. It could be a little uh, overwhelming and um, yeah, overwhelming and challenging for me. But I think um, again, or language apps, find a language partner online so that it's more, you can send them messages um, or you can video chat with them. So there are definitely a lot of different ways to create that immersive environment for yourself. Right. It would, it would take a lot more effort, I guess, than having immersion. I'd say having immersion, it'll go quicker. It'll be mm -hmm. easier, but you're right. There are definitely measures people can take to um, create that immersive environment. And it's really important that you observe the way that native English speakers converse with one another to pick up on those nuances. But, and that comes down to another subject here that I usually ask this to everybody who I interview. So I'm interested to see your opinion. So if there's a spectrum between watching TV shows and movies on Netflix, for an example, to practice your listening skills mm -hmm. and listening to podcasts or interviews or realistic conversations like the one we're having right now which side of the spectrum would you be on which one do you think is better for improving your listening comprehension skills i think that really comes down to the language level of the learner um, because in my experience if you are a beginner or just below intermediate i think watching tv shows or listening to podcasts can be a little challenging 
Um, I, for me, this is what I tell my students a lot of times. Ideally, the con the content that you consume um, should be, I would say, somewhat at least you can at least understand fifty percent of what they're saying. Um, maybe even you know to sixty percent or so, and then the rest, of course, you don't know, and that's the, what you have to learn. Um, but again, it, it depends on your language level. If you're a beginner, I would start with shorter forms of videos or audios um, to start with. But consider if you're a uh, intermediate and above, I think it's hard to say. I'm a visual learner, so I would definitely go for the TV show and the movies rather than the podcast. Um, I know sometimes with podcasts, you can actually see them as well, you know, see the people talking. But again, I like stories. I like um, I would definitely lean towards the uh, TV show and movie spectrum on the spectrum. See, okay, right. I I would lean towards the opposite spectrum. I always say um, podcasts and interviews. I just say that for the simple reason that um, a lot of the stuff that's said in TV shows and movies it can be dramatic, and those mm -hmm. dramatic sequences you may never encounter that in real life. So I would say that um, when you have more realistic conversations you're going to see how people truly converse. You're going to see the filler words. You're going to see small slang terminologies here or there. Mm -hmm. You're going to see um, the rhythm of how they actually speak to each other. Whereas in a movie, if you watch, let's say, a Marvel movie like the Avengers or something, it's like a lot of the scenes you may, they may never be applicable or applicable to um, <laughs> any situations you'll find yourself in in real life. That's what yeah. I would say. But yeah. then, yeah, but then there's pros and cons to both. Uh, some of my previous guests have argued for the TV shows and movies because they say it's more captivating. People are actually going to be more into it. They're probably going to have a better idea of remembering it. It's going to be more visual too <laughs> for the visual learners who want to associate imagery to words instead of translating back into their head, which is actually a really good point. But uh, yeah, it's it's always interesting to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it, again, it depends on how how you learn. Um, but I agree with what you said that in the podcast, the it's it's actual real life conversation, you know, life or well, not necessarily life, but just them talking, and that's how you would talk in your daily life as well. And so I think there are definitely pros and cons to each. I you know that's why I say personally, I think movies and TV shows because I'm more of a visual learner. However, the the uh, the cons about using TV shows and movies is that sometimes if you are not at a certain level with English, you can it can actually take the joy uh, out of watching shows and uh, movies because you're trying to understand what they're saying, you're trying to understand what's going on, but you can't. Um, so then you know the more you watch, then the more questions you have, and then at the end of the day. Did you really learn anything? Um, it, it depends. Again, there are different ways to utilize all these different resources to learn. Um, I think it just, again, you know, knowing what you, which areas of focus you want to focus on, and also how are you going to utilize these tools and resources to help you learn, um, and you know, knowing your own learning preferences. Are you a visual learner? Are you more of an oral learner? Are you more of like you know, doing by hand? So then that's how you learn better. I think all these are very important. Yep. Valid. Ziad Ahmed, hey there. Hello, Ziad. Welcome to the stream. Steve, if you live in a small Ukrainian village, how could you find people to speak to? I think that's what you're trying to say. Um, if you have the internet, um, there's definitely ways to find people. But Jenny, how would you advise Steve to um, find English people to speak to? I would say if again if you have if you have a stable internet um, and you have the access to I think finding a language partner through you know one of the language exchange apps is definitely very helpful, um, and or just finding someone or again or a uh, private teacher for example um, I think those are all very helpful if you live in a small village. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, Jenny, but there's a good language exchange app called HelloTalk. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's absolutely free. So you can definitely um, find native English speakers on that particular yeah. application, Steve. And um, it's it's a good place just to use as a training ground for your English, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing I'll say is I've gotten mixed reviews. Um, some people like it. Some people say they need to message maybe 20 people until they can find one who's also serious yeah. <laughs> about actually practicing and exchanging languages. Um, what I would typically do on that app is I would um, message people. I'd find someone who speaks French. We'd set up a time to do a quick phone call, just like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half the phone calls in English, half the phone calls in French. Um, we correct each other. Very simple. Um, sometimes we'll do it again. Sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll find new people. But uh, you have an abundance of native English speakers um, who would probably probably be willing to help you on that application so yeah. yeah yeah and also there are a lot of online communities that you can find um on you know instagram or different social media platforms or just or just online and so these are uh language learners from different or uh, from all over the world or just people who are interested in learning a specific language they get together they talk to each other so there, there are communities like that online um and i definitely highly recommend to look into that um and yeah i think that's another great way to find someone who can practice speaking english with you yep for sure and mary eve mary eve hello jenny i love your diction okay Thank jenny you. you have a you have a fan <laughs> And hi there, Mr. Ark. I always watched your videos. And yes, I learned a lot actually for me. Not forget it. I do. I, I'm not sure I understand. After my work, I read it again. Okay. Uh, yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh, I hope that the videos help you. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, that, yeah, I've heard some bad reviews from some of the female guests I've had on in the past. They said, a lot of people treat HelloTalk like a dating application and they have to filter through a lot of people who aren't that serious. And yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate, but, um, so be wary of that, I guess, if you're a female who's thinking about using the app, um, you may have to filter through some people until you can find someone who's serious about learning English or learning a language, so. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that as well. And even when I first joined um, the online, te online teaching or learning platform, I got messages from, you know, people um, that they said that they're in, I don't know, they work for the CIA or something, they work for the intelligence and, you know, telling me that I need to, I don't make some, send some money over or something like that. Um, there are a lot of people out there, but again, if you have the time, have the patience, definitely take the time. You'll, you'll find someone um, eventually, but it just, it might just take some time. For sure. Steve, thanks. No problem, Steve. We hope you find a solution and find someone to speak English with. So yeah, I've reached C1 with no single course, all from school. And then I felt like it's not enough and I need to improve phonetics and spelling. So I started listening to English music and then watching movies without subtitles. By the way, these are my favorite couple ways to learn English, to learn languages, accents that I would recommend to anybody. Okay. Um, so congratulations for reaching C1 with uh, no single course. I'd imagine you put in a lot of work uh, to do self-studying. Uh, I, I know how hard it is. We both know <laughs> what it takes to learn another language. So great work. And then um, you felt like it's not enough from school. That's very common. Most people don't feel like school is enough. They, and for anyone in school, do not just rely on that. Do take extra measures on your own time to learn a language. I totally agree with that. And um, yeah, English music. So wh what's your take, Jenny, um, on specifically English music. Uh, so I have this weird thing whenever I listen to specifically English songs. I well, in the beginning, it was very difficult for me to understand the lyrics when they're singing, um, because I think a lot of times in lyrics, they don't actually follow grammar rules. Number one, um, it's more poetic in a way. Um, so I think that's why I was having a hard time understanding 
um, songs in English. But even now, I don't really listen to the lyrics un unless I read them because sometimes I, again, I can't really understand what they're saying. But I think um, learning English from English music is, I don't know if it's, it, it depends on what you're trying to learn. Um, if you're trying to learn grammar or learn, say, how to speak English, listening to English music may not be the best way. And it also depends on what genre, what kind of music you listen to, um, because there are definitely, you know, certain types of music. Maybe their lyrics are not as uh, proper um, when it, in, in, um, in terms of grammar rules and sentence structures, but you can definitely learn a lot of slangs, uh, maybe even, you know, the cultural aspects of, of um, that culture um, and uh, vocabulary as well. Yeah, true. Um, it's good to listen to music for wordplay <laughs> um, for um, it, it's, it's pretty difficult for beginners, I would say. I guess you could say there are beginner songs, there are advanced songs, there are intermediate songs, but don't feel discouraged if you can't understand them. There, even native English speakers, a lot of the time, have a difficult time understanding um, some English music. So, yeah, if you think it's really difficult to make something out, uh, that's that's normal, even for native English speakers. So don't feel like it's a, it's a you problem. And then um, another question for you. So when it comes to subtitles, when you're listening to and consuming English media, do you recommend subtitles for advanced and upper intermediate learners? Or would you say they should be turning them off at that point? I think it depends on what you're consuming. Um, so what I meant by that is say that I not too long ago, I watched a documentary on infinity and the math behind it and the science behind it that I needed to turn on subtitles because I mean even you know now I'm fluent in English however they have a lot of professional terminology that they use that I couldn't understand even by listening to it um, even if I know how to pronounce the word but I have no idea what it means so I think it helps with you know if I turn on subtitles so it really depends on the uh, the level of the language of the content that you're consuming. If you are, say, that watching a movie um, and you are intermediate level and above, I will turn off the subtitle and just, you know, focus on the listening. Yeah, I, I would recommend the same thing, too. I found that when I turned the subtitles off, it would um, it would really force you to practice your listening skills. Whereas some people are really good at not relying on the subtitles, but whenever I see them, even in my native language being English, I still just have a natural proclivity to read them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I end up reading them and I end up not listening that much. It's yeah. it's weird, it's just the way my brain works. So it, it depends on the person, but I'd personally recommend um, forcing yourself to practice your listening by turning mm -hmm. them off if you can, yeah, for sure. Okay, then the a final question that I ask to everybody who I interview is, I'll give you a hypothetical situation here. Okay, so okay. there's someone in Taiwan, they don't know any English, they don't speak a word, and they come up to you and they ask you, Jenny, I want to become fluent in English. How do I do it? And how long is it going to take me? How would you answer? How would you advise that person? Yeah, first of all, I would ask, why do you want to learn English? What is your, what are your goals? Um, and then from there, again, it really depends on the person. Um, and the, from there, I would recommend a different di direction based on their answer. Say that if the person is, uh, interested in learning English because uh, they want to go travel. They, or they are, um, yeah, if they just want to simply go travel and they, you know, English is a universal language that it makes e uh, traveling easier, then I'll be like, okay, so um, again, what's your budget? You know, what, what are your learning preferences? Um, and um, I don't 
really have like again like one answer for everybody but because it really depends on their whys and you know how much they can invest into learning english and all that and when it comes to fluency i would say a person can definitely reach fluency in one year if they have the time you know it's it's not impossible but again it's it's it takes a lot of time a lot of effort and just really honing down on being consistent um and you know keep yourself motivated so yeah that's probably the best i could answer that question for now because it's really case by, by case you'd have to investigate further that's that's fair enough yeah let's say um they want to learn let's say they lived in taiwan and mm. they want to learn just for traveling purposes they said yeah. i want to be able to travel i need to know english in order to travel um what advice would you give to them um first of all it also depends on where they're at when it comes to their mm -hmm. english level um but let's say that they do have you know some basic found uh, knowledge of english um mm -hmm. i would recommend if they have the money um to actually get a one-on-one -on -one teacher because that's the fastest way and it considering that if they are going to if they're planning to travel in the next couple months i think that's the fastest way to do um, or if they just they don't really have a clear goal on when they're actually going to go traveling they just have that you know and on their mind in the future sometime in the future they're going to go um, traveling around different different countries and around the world then i would again there are um I don't, yeah, there are just so many resources and tools and materials that are that are available, but I think the most straightforward way is to just get a one-on-one -on -one teacher because they can, again, personalize a lot of things based on your learning preferences, your goals, where you're at when it comes to your language level. Yeah, that is, that is probably a sure shot way for sure. And especially someone who has experience helping a bunch of people learn a language, they can easily identify um, where your strong points are, where your weak points are. And then yes, that is um, pretty good advice. And you're making me rethink this question now. Now I think I'm going <laughs> to, in the future, I'm going to make it more specific. I'm going to give a detailed uh, hypothetical situation and have fun with that but uh <laughs> yeah and i think Got a it. lot of times because that's what i focus on is i really personalize and customize the learning experience based on the learner because mm -hmm. what i realize is that everyone is so different and i can't really teach every student that i have the same way even with the same material sometimes it's the, the same set of material but i will pick and choose which content to teach them mm -hmm. that will you know best help them um yeah accomplish their um goals for sure that yeah says thanks for your kind words guys no problem by the way arc english became a daily routine keep up the great work okay <laughs> thank you and uh okay so we're reaching the hour mark so jenny where can people find you yeah, so um, right now I am mainly on Instagram. It's Lingua and Beyond. And um, yeah, feel free to, you know, uh, message me if you have any questions about about me, about what I do, about my experience, um, and or you can email me. And every all the information, contact information is on my Instagram, Lingua and Beyond. Okay, cool. And we will put Lingua and Beyond uh, in the description below of this live stream on YouTube and Facebook. And then also, um, are there any new projects you're working on? Anything uh, cooking up? Or should that, sh if you don't want to disclose it, that's fine too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so right now, well, it doesn't really have to do with learners that much, but me personally, um, I am currently uh, building my website, actually rebuilding my website right now because I feel like um, I, because what I focus on is language coaching. And I, I, what I realize is that a lot of people are still not super familiar with what language coaching is versus language teaching. Um, so I have been just putting out a lot of content about language coaching, what that entails and how does language coaching 
help a language learner more holistically. Um, but I do have a website right now, which you can go, uh, you can, you know, visit my website through my Instagram. However, um, it's not super polished, but you can still find a lot of information about what I do, about the beyond system, about, um, you know, how language coaching can help you. Okay, cool. And then for us, it's just ARC English on all platforms. We're super easy to find. We're almost everywhere. And this is also a podcast. I know a lot of you guys are watching on Facebook and YouTube, but we're also on pretty much like every podcasting platform. So you can easily find us there as well if you'd like to see um, any of our old episodes. And before we check out here, Mary Ev says, Jenny, are you a Filipino? <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm actually originally from Taiwan. Okay, there's your answer, Marriott. <laughs> all right, and um, that's all for now. If you guys are watching this on Facebook or YouTube on your way out, if you'd like to support the platform, you could simply do so by liking the video. It'll help the algorithm spread the message to other people who are also trying to improve their English. And that is all for today. Until next time.